The text for, for the sermon this morning is the 1 Kings 10, the first 10 verses, 1 Kings 10, verses 1 to 10. We'll read to verse 13, but the text is basically the first 10 verses. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue with camels that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore he has made you king to do justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones, There never again came such an abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. So far the text, we'll also read the next few verses. Also the ships of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought great quantities of almug wood and precious stones from Ophir. And the king made steps of almug wood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house. Also harps, and stringed instruments for singers. There never again came such almug wood, nor has the like been seen to this day. Now King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants so far. The Word of God. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, you might remember yet how the Lord God said to Solomon back in 1 Kings chapter 3, ask whatever you wish and I'll, I'll give it to you. Solomon, you recall, asked for an understanding heart to discern between good and evil so that he could rule wisely over God's people. And the Lord then told him, since he asked for wisdom and not for riches and for long life and those kind of things, he would also give him the other things in addition to his wisdom, 
riches, and honor. And so in 1 Kings 10, also the part that comes, be, comes right after our text for this morning, Solomon is shown as an extremely wise and uh, intelligent king, as well as a fabulously wealthy and prosperous. It says in 1 Kings 10, 23, that he surpassed all the kings of the earth at that time in riches and wisdom. Later on, Solomon took the Lord for granted, as you know, and and the riches and wisdom he received were no blessing for him anymore. Um, You see at the beginning of uh, the, the beginning of that, at the end of 1 Kings 10, where he does what the Lord had forbidden bidden Israelite kings to do. He acquired for himself horses and chariots. But this morning we deal with what happened before that decline in uh, Solomon, when everything was wonderful, glorious, affluent in the kingdom yet. And we see in that glory the blessings of God on the Old Testament Prince of Peace. Solomon, because that's what his name means, peace, king of peace. We see the, the blessings of the, of the Lord God on, on, that, on him then, and that glory is then the prophecy of the, the great glory of the eternal prince of peace, who is greater than Solomon, Jesus Christ, and who established his kingdom by his suffering and death and resurrection and now is in glory at God's right hand, ruling over all things. And I preach to you the word of God in the text with this theme. Then God shows the glory of his kingdom in Queen Sheba's visit. And we see three things then about uh, Sheba, the Queen of Sheba. Her coming, her questions, and her reaction. First of all, the Queen of Sheba's coming. Congregation, when you read a story like the visit of the Queen of Sheba to Israel, you see Solomon's wealth, and, and here to, she wanted to see his wealth and hear his wisdom. You maybe wonder why the Holy Spirit included this uh, bit of history at all in the Bible. What does the Lord want to tell us with this? What message is there in this for us today? You know, what message in this visit of this pagan queen to Jerusalem and to the king there 3,000 years ago. Well, let's think about that in the first place this morning. Why was this recorded? And maybe we should begin by asking ourselves what the Lord wanted to tell the, the first readers of this story, the first readers of the book of Kings. Why did the writer of the book of Kings include this? Why was he inspired to include this for the people of his time? Because you know that the book of Kings was written centuries after, afterwards, um, after the, all the kings of Israel and Judah mentioned in that book had died. The last king mentioned in two kings was King Jehoiakim, and he was in captivity in Babylon. So this, these books of Kings were written when Israel was in captivity in Babylon, far away from Jerusalem, and Jerusalem lay in ruins. Solomon's beautiful palace in ruins, a temple raised to the ground at the time. Well, it's in those circumstances that, that the original writer of the book of Kings was moved to write about the history of Israel's kings, also about Solomon and the Queen of Sheba's visit. And he stands at the end of that history and he looks back. 
And you can imagine that in that situation, the obvious question that presents itself is, how could it have gone from that glory and wealth to what it was at the end and now the people in Babylon, in captivity? How could it have all gone so wrong with kings and people? And you see, that, that, that question is what they had to face. That portrayal of what happened in the past, that glory of Israel and the decline just made the present situation of ruin and destruction all the more painful in Babylon. Knowing those golden years under Solomon made the decline that came afterward all the more bitter. What brought about that steady decline then? Because that's what, the, what this book forced people to ask themselves in Babylon. The book of Kings are more, simply more than, more than simply just accounts of what happened. This and this and this happened. No. It was written as an indictment against the kings and the people of Israel. It's an admonition. Look at what happens when you forsake the Lord your God. The Lord God had given David and his house wonderful promises. One of David's sons would always be king of Israel and the people would enjoy peace and prosperity in the promised land. But all of that came with a big condition too. If the kings and the people of Israel did not walk in the ways of the Lord, if they forsook the Lord their God, he would take everything back away from them. He would send enemies to destroy the peace. He would take away their prosperity. That's what happens when, when we forsake the Lord. Well, it's clear that the Lord is true to what he says too in both giving peace and prosperity as well as taking them away. God is faithful to his covenant with Israel and with David. Remember again how the Lord said to young King Solomon, ask whatever you wish, I'll give it to you. Solomon had asked for understanding and discretion to rule God's people with wisdom and justice. In the words of the Lord Jesus, Solomon had first sought God's kingdom and righteousness and therefore God promised also to give him the other things that he needed and he desired honor, power, and wealth. Well, the coming of the Queen of Sheba in our text was evidence that God does as he promises for Solomon. That queen came to honor Solomon with her visit, and she gave Solomon rich gifts, gold and jewels and spices. And her coming to see Solomon is proof positive that which God holds out to his people that he is faithful and true. If they follow him, look what happens. Look, this is what happens when king and nation serve me and walk with me in obedience to me. Then rulers will come from distant places to Jerusalem to honor the king and city and country and bring riches into it. And so the Queen of Sheba's visit is also an accusation against that generation in Babylon that came afterwards. For that great glory of king and kingdom lasted only just a short time. Think of the rest of the book of Kings. 
after the visit of the Queen of Sheba, other kings also came to Jerusalem. But they didn't come there to bring their riches and to honor, but they came to rob and ruin the city instead. Occasionally, Jerusalem was able to buy off the the attackers with gold, even gold stripped from the temple and from the palace. But then, too, the king and kingdom were living off the riches that that had accumulated in Solomon's days. And those riches in palace and temple were depleted quite soon. Even the holy vessels of the temple were eventually taken. And finally, the temple itself was completely razed. The decline and eventual destruction of Jerusalem and the temple wasn't because of the changing political situation in the land and in the world. No, it was because of the worsening spiritual situation in Israel. If the spiritual situation declines, then things go downhill. Because God's people have become disobedient, disbelieving, went after other gods. God wanted things to be so that foreign nations would come to Jerusalem to give honor and riches to his anointed king and to the kingdom of Israel, bring their, their glory in. That's what happened at the time of our text yet. When Solomon reigned in obedience to God, the glory and wealth of Jerusalem was famed, known all over the world. And everybody knew that that had to do with the blessing of the Lord, the God of Israel. Because look at verse 1 of our text. The queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, it says. Concerning the name of the Lord. When Solomon held the name of the Lord in high esteem, the Lord gave him fame and fabulous wealth. When the people of God walked in the Lord's ways and distinguished themselves from the pagan nations in their worship and lifestyle, Jerusalem became a beacon in the world, a beacon of light. It became a center of wisdom and culture. And people noticed that. Think about it, it could happen today too, right? When people live close to God and his word, they stand out. They stand out. And maybe they have to be countercultural, but they stand out. And the church becomes a light in the world because the world doesn't know where it's going. It's walking in the dark. But the people of God, they have the light. They know. Well, that's what happened with Solomon and Jerusalem. They became famous far and wide, even to the land of Sheba. And of course, it was asked where all that glory and wisdom and wealth in Jerusalem could have come from. You know, people would have asked, how come they have this? And people had to come to the conclusion that it was Yahweh. Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of the covenant, who had so blessed Israel's king and people people realized that that glory of Jerusalem and King Solomon was connected with the name of the Lord. And that's the way it was supposed to be too, wasn't it? Not Solomon's name, but the Lord's name was to receive glory and honor, ultimately. It was about his glory. And so that pagan queen was drawn to the light which shone out of Jerusalem and from Solomon, the son of David, the light 
lit there by the Lord God himself. Amazing if you think about it, how the the greater than Solomon, the true son of David, the true prince of peace, Jesus Christ, also received glory and gifts from wise men, from, from pagan kings who came to Israel from a distant nation from the east, brought him glory when his own nation did not receive him. They even gave gifts that were similar to the, the gifts of the Queen of Sheba to Solomon. Gold and spices, special gifts of honor to kings in ancient times. Well, the Queen of Sheba came and saw some of the faithfulness and the greatness of the Lord God and how blessed Israel was with this wise king and with such great prosperity. And she, had to, she knew this all has to do with the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And so, ultimately, God receives glory even from the mouth of this pagan queen. Saw, when she saw with her own eyes what the Lord does with a king and a people who are faithful in serving him. Others pray, come with praise. We come to the second part of the sermon, the Queen of Sheba's questions. So drawn to Jerusalem by the fame of Solomon and the connection of that glory to the name of the Lord, the Queen of Sheba journeyed all the way to Jerusalem from her own land. We don't know where Sheba was. We have uh, some idea it could have been from Ethiopia or so, but most likely it seems to have been located in the far south of the Arabian Peninsula where the country of Yemen is today, where there's all that unrest. That's where she came from, it is believed. Jesus simply called her the Queen of the South, Matthew 12. Well, the fame of Solomon's wisdom and riches had reached all the way there most likely via traveling traders. Well, she heard about that and she wanted to see it with her own eyes. It was so fabled. She wanted to see it. And she came with a whole impressive retinue, carrying tons of spices, gold, and jewelry. And she came in particular, we're told, verse 3, to ask Solomon all kinds of difficult questions. Questions we could think, maybe questions about nature and science and mathematics and philosophy and psychology too. And about life in particular. Everything that was on her heart. All the questions of life. The queen must have been a pretty smart lady in her own right. Rulers in the ancient Near East were highly educated. This queen may have excelled in her time and place too. She came to Jerusalem with all her pagan wisdom to test Solomon's wisdom. And you need to understand, congregation, that this was a kind of a, a tense moment, really. Here, all the intellect of the pagan world, all the wisdom acquired through experience and observation and discussion alone confronted the wisdom that Solomon had received from God via his observing and meditating on everything in the light of God's will and way and word. The wisdom of the world here confronts the wisdom of the God of Israel. 
And the big question is then, which kind of wisdom can better explain the course of world history, for instance? Which can give a a better explanation of the origin and creation and the place of man in, in everything? Which wisdom provides more insight into the purpose of life and into what life and death are all about? Which kind of wisdom gives better ethical discernment? What is good and what is not good? The wisdom of man who doesn't know God, who's searching himself, or the wisdom of man who knows and serves the God of Israel, who knows his word. Which wisdom was best able to respond to all the issues and questions of life? That's what actually is being shown here. And it says in our text that Solomon was able to answer all the queen's questions. Everything that was in her heart. Nothing was too hard for the king to speak about and give a reasonable explanation for. You see that in Jerusalem, life wasn't shut out of reality and reason. Serving the Lord doesn't mean that you have to live in a, your own little world and you, you don't know anything about anything else out there. No. You see here that the fear of the Lord is indeed the beginning of all wisdom. Solomon didn't have a faith which shut him off from real life on earth. No, he knew God had created man and had given him a place on earth and his word points to the answers to all life's basic issues. God's good commandments, God's word doesn't cut off from real life and make it burdensome and no, it frees up life, makes it enjoyable because you know, you realize this is what life is about. The gospel of God's free grace frees life from the burden of sin which drags it down and makes it complex and That gospel opens life up, makes it satisfying. You can see your way through it all joyfully. You know what the meaning and purpose of life is. No philosophy or science which leaves God out of the picture can explain the why and the wherefore of human existence, all existence really. And no ethics which leaves God out of the picture can hold on to the good. Congregation, we have that this, this last week in, in the courts of our land. Assisted suicide is, is opened up in our country now. Congregation, this is the wisdom of the world. They don't realize where this will go. But congregation, as Christians, we know the goal of all creation and we know the goal of life And we also know the ethics of life. It all exists to glorify God's name. And he knows best what is good for us. He made it. And we also know where everything is headed. It's all headed to the renewal of all things when Jesus Christ the King returns. The new heavens and the new earth which are on the way. That's where we're headed. 
And whatever is taking place now, wars, rumors of wars, disasters, environmental concerns, and all, these are all just pangs, birth pangs of the new world that is coming. The kingdom of God in all its fullness. And congregation, whereas Solomon was light in the world at his time, we know the great son of David, the great son of Solomon, Jesus Christ. He is the Savior sent by God to this earth so that all creation again can give perfect glory to God. And whoever follows him, that king, will not walk in darkness in this world. Won't walk around in circles not knowing what is good and evil. No, they know where they and everything else are headed and how they should go there. At this time, God's kingdom is still stained with sin and subject to decay, true. But one day, Solomon's great son, Jesus Christ, will come and bring the full glory of the kingdom of God to be seen by all the world so the whole world can bring their riches into it. So the glory and wealth of Solomon's kingdom was great at the time, but tiny compared to the fullness of Christ's kingdom, which is coming. It it will encompass all creation. We come to the last part of the sermon this morning, the Queen of Sheba's reaction. When the Queen of Sheba tested Solomon's wisdom with all her questions, and Solomon had answered them, with all wisdom, it was time for a big feast. Verse 5 implies that the queen paid careful attention not only to the food that she was given here, but to the, the whole organization of the meal too, the feast. And after that, she was given a tour of the palace and, and of the temple as far as she was allowed to see it, the entrance that that the king used to go into the temple from the palace. And after she had heard and seen and tasted everything, it says in verse 5 that there was no more spirit in her. It might sound kind of strange, no more spirit in her. But it simply means all of it took her breath away. It took her breath away. She was so astonished by everything that she saw, heard, and then she praised everything too. She says in verse 8, Happy are your men and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. <clears throat> Remember again, by the way, why the, book, uh, the books of Kings were written. Only a few years after that visit of the Queen of Sheba, those same Servants rebelled against Solomon's house. Rehoboam, his son, was king then. And they didn't want to have anything to do with Jerusalem and its king anymore. But one of those servants, Jeroboam, led a breakaway kingdom of the ten tribes. And that happened because Solomon no longer served the Lord as he did before. Happy are your servants, who hear your wisdom, the queen of Sheba said. Happy are they when they serve you. And then you can't help but think of much later when the last son of David came, the one greater than Solomon, Jesus Christ. 
people of Israel at the time didn't want to serve him as king either. We read about that, Matthew 12. Do you see the point? A pagan queen says, happy are these people who have a king like this. But when the son of David, who was greater than Solomon, ministered among his people with power and wisdom, they said, away with him, crucify him. He's the son of Beelzebub. The queen of Sheba also praised the Lord God because of his love for and his blessings on his people. We don't know how much the queen understood about the Lord God and his covenant with Israel, but even though she only visited Jerusalem for a short time, she did understand that everything she saw and heard was ultimately had to do with him, the king of kings, that Israel was prosperous and great because of the relationship with the Lord their God. And in his great mercy, the Lord had given Israel a king who led the people wisely in the ways of the Lord. And with all her praise at the conclusion of her brief visit to Jerusalem, the Queen of Sheba was also witness against the thanklessness and blindness of the Jews who in Jesus' days didn't see how blessed they were with the Lord and his king. And it's no wonder either that that the Lord Jesus referred to this queen when the leaders of the Jews rejected him as their king in Matthew 12. He said, the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with this generation and will condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and indeed greater than Solomon is here. The queen of Sheba saw some of the light of God's kingdom when she visited Solomon and Jerusalem. And she could hardly contain her astonishment and her delight. And she burst out in praise to God. But when the greater than Solomon, the greatest king of the Jews, came to Israel, those near him hated him and rejected him. And that's why Jesus said, The queen of Sheba will testify against you in the judgment. She will be raised too, with you. And she will stand there and say, You had the one greater than Solomon. And you did not accept him as king. You rejected his wisdom and the riches of his salvation. That can happen, right? That people exist close to the wisdom and riches of the kingdom of God. Close to the king. And they don't even see it. Rejoice in it. Or don't want to. That they know about the Lord Jesus, his gospel, they possess his promises, but they turn their backs on it. It can happen. Don't let it become for you as it did for the people of Israel, the people of promise, who didn't see their wealth and privilege anymore. For then you as children of the kingdom will end up outside while people from other parts will come and take your place at table with Abram, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. And then Gentiles will witness against you. Congregation, let's let our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, be continually open to the majesty and the wisdom 
of Christ the King and the glory of his kingdom to which we belong and the riches which he has promised us in the King Jesus Christ. Then happy are you that you may be one of his servants. Happy are you that you may belong to his church. Don't throw away those riches which you have as a member of Christ. Don't reject your service in his kingdom. For whoever loves King Jesus and serves him uprightly will go from grace to grace and will know themselves richer and richer in his presence. And to use the words of the Queen of Sheba, happy are the people who stand continually before the king who is greater than Solomon, who hear his wisdom and know the riches of his kingdom. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for showing us through the eyes of the Queen of Sheba some of the glory of our King Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Help us to always have eyes and heart for that wisdom of our King and for the riches of his kingdom so that like the people of Jesus' day, we don't despise them and don't reject our king, but always rejoice in his presence with his treasures. Hear us, Father, in the name of our king, the king who is greater than Solomon, Jesus Christ, the king of glory.